to hear either a command or, or agreement from Hashem Barach to send Meraglim. Okay, so Meraglim have to go to Eretz Yisrael. Even if, uh, even if somebody was guilty already, was, it seems like Moshe Rabbeinu was guilty over here, or the Am Yisrael, not the Meraglim. The Meraglim just pointed. They didn't ask to go to the land of Israel and spy. Rather, uh, they were appointed. So they're appointed, and it says over here in the Psukim that, uh, that Moshe Rabbeinu picked Anashim. Anashim, Shlach Lecha Anashim. Rashi says over here, Anashim means Lashon uh, Chashivut. They were important people. Otasha Aksherim Ayu. They were from the greatest in Am Israel, and they were Chashuvim in Am Israel, and therefore those are the people that were appointed in order to go for that uh, mission in, uh, to spy the land. And it goes to the names of those Miraglim. It comes out afterwards, and he tells the Moshe Rabenu exactly what the mission is. You need to go to Eretz Israel and do the following. First of all, you need to go from the Negev, Alitem et Ar. Uitem, take a, take a look and make sure you do the following. In other words, Moshe Rabenu gives them right now uh, uh, a list, and he, they, they have a checklist right now. And they, they need to follow the order to the exact to do exactly as Moshe Rabbeinu tells them. Because over here, they, they have to come out and do a report to, for Moshe Rabbeinu and tell him exactly what he's asking them to do. And this, the, these are the questions. And do the following. Take a look at the land and, and give me an exact report on the following. See the people that sit in that land. Are those people strong or are they weak? Eventually, the Meraglim come back and they do see that these people over there in Eretz Israel were extremely strong, very powerful, and therefore they had to check the list as yes, Chazak, definitely. They can't, as Ramban asked, is it possible that Moshe Rabbeinu sent them to, uh, to, see, uh, uh, to see and, te and testify a false testimony? Yeah, the the, the Maglim have to do exactly what they were told. They're on a mission. They have to, to, to fill up the report. There's a checklist over here. The answer is, are they powerful? Are they weak? The answer is, they're very powerful. Check Chazak. Are those people in that land, are they a lot of people? Or it uh, it's, it's, doesn't have so much population in Eretz Israel? The answer to that also, Moshe Rabbeinu has to answer correct. Uh, the, the Meraglim have to answer correctly, and they did answer correctly. So that couldn't be their crime. Goes on. After we finish with the people that sit in Eretz Israel, let's see what about the land. How is the land? Is the land good or bad? That's the question over here. The Meraglim answered. Later on, we're going to see that they say that the land is a great land. They say the following. They said, They come and they report on this question. This is a Eretz Zavad Chalav Udvash. It's a great land. When Moshe Rabbeinu goes on Parashat Dvarim later on and tells the story over again, what happened over here exactly? The, he says that when the Meraglim came back, they said that the land is very good. He tells, the Meraglim tell, tell Moshe Rabbeinu, tova asher lanu. So the answer is correct. That couldn't be a crime of the Meraglim. They said, the question was, Ma asher tova The answer was, tova meod. The, the land is excellent. Therefore, they, 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 over here, they check. Yes, very good. Take a look at the 
cities that that you can that 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 you that these people sit in. Uh, what kind of cities are they? Are they protected cities? They have uh, tall walls or they don't? Rashi has a little bit different perushim on this, but the answer that they have to answer is correct. The land is protected well. The, the, the walls are very high and definitely the place is, uh, is well protected. As Moshe Rabbeinu later on tells also, Am Israel, he tells them that you should know that everything over here is well protected. And he tells Am Israel the following, Parashat Varim, Parashat Ekev, Ekev. Parashat Ekev, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Shema Israel, ata over hayom et ha-yarden, lavo l'reshet goim gdolim v'atzumim imeka, harim gdolot uvetsurot b'shamayim. These walls over there that the cities are, 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 those cities are protected by, there are such walls that they go up to the sky. So therefore, the answer to this has to be correct, that those, wall, those cities are well protected. Ma'aretz, Hashmenai, Imraza, is the land fat, or is it not? It's skinny. Ha'esh ba'etz, im'ayin, itchazaktem ulkachtem mipri ha'aretz, ve'amim yemei bikurei anavim, which means go and bring also proof, bring us some fruits in order to see if the fruits are good fruits, or they're like very skinny, they're not, they're, not, they're not well. So that's exactly what they did. They brought back the best fruits, and everything was to the best way. It says in the Torah, What do they see in Eretz Yisrael? They see giants in Eretz Yisrael. This giants, no giants, it's not, not the way we talk. We say to everything giants. We see something tall, we say, wow, that's a giant. No, giants over here means literally giants, which means those were not just big people. Those were what we call giants. So big that the, the, that the testify was that when they saw the Miraglim, they, they looked to them like ants and they were saying to each other, did you see the ants today? They look like people. There were, there were 12 Miraglim that was the size of an ant compared to uh, those giants. So we're not talking about just tall, big people. We're talking about real giants that the size of the Miraglim was the size of an ant, so small. And so on and so forth. They come back to Moshe Rabenu and they say, they bring back the report with an exact questionnaire of exactly what they saw. They come back and they say the following. First of all, you ask us, one of the questions was, is it good land? As we explained before. How about the people? The people that are sitting in the land are very strong. Now, obviously, this was one of the questions. They had to answer it correctly. So that can't be something bad that they did. The, wall, the, the cities are very the, protected, the walls are very tall. As Moshe Rabbeinu himself told the people, as we just read before, that Moshe Rabbeinu told the people, beware, when we go over there, the land has walls up to the sky. It says, Moshe Rabbeinu seems like he even added more to the wall than the Meraglim. So therefore, that's a correct report, what they say over there. We also saw the giants over there. 
did they see the giants? The Torah itself testifies that they saw the giants. So therefore, that was one of the questions that Moshe Rabbeinu asked them to find out. Are the people, how are the people, what kind of people are they? You should see what kind of population is there in that land. They had to say, Chazak, these are giants, these are very strong people. Not only that, Amalek are known to be vicious bad people. So therefore, that's what they have to testify. That's what they said. So right away, Kalev jumps over here. It seems like out of place over here. Kalev is, what is he getting up and interrupting over here? The Miraglim, they're saying the report. This is the report. Moshe Rabbeinu asks us to do something. We have to say everything that bring back everything the way that Moshe Rabbeinu asks us to do. They didn't do anything bad up to now. So therefore, why? Kalev screaming over here at them. We, um, we're not sure. He's quieting them. It doesn't seem like there's a perush to this. Now, obviously, it, there is in Rashi, but we're not learning right now perush Rashi. According to the Ramban, the Meraglim was sent in order to spy the land and bring back an exact report. And this was a correct mission. So therefore, the, the Meraglim have to do what they were told to do. V'anashim asher aluimo, they tell him, listen, you think you can fight against giants? If giants are impossible to fight. Every place in the land that we took, we saw that there were giants. And they said the following. Now the Torah starts saying what they did wrong. They spoke negatively about the land by saying what? This, were, this is a land that you see people are dying in that land constantly. Now, the Rashi explains over here that people were dying, and it was a chesed that Hashem made with the Meraglim, with the fact that they saw all day, they saw people in Levayot, there were, uh, there were people dying right and left. And the reason for that is because Hashem wanted people to be busy and not pay attention that there's Meraglim in the land. So people were dying and they were taking care of, their, uh, of, their, of, the, of the burial of those people. Now, the Meraglim couldn't know that. The Meraglim walk into the land and they see so many uh, levayot, so many people dying, so many uh, uh, signs on, the, on, on every uh, post that this person died, that person died. So this is according to the way they see and the way they were asked to, to bring back to Moshe Rabbeinu, Eretz Ochelet Oshvei. Moshe Rabbeinu asked them, find out, is that a place that the population is added or on the contrary? Yesh Eretz, says Rashi, that that land, some lands, you have people that are that that populates the the people which means it's such a good land that there's more people and more people that that being added to that uh, land and sometimes it's memaete tuchlusim that's what Rashi says yesh megadele tuchlusim yesh memaete tuchlusim sometimes you have more population sometimes you have less so they being asked go and see are people dying in that place or people uh, living happily over that and they seeing people dying right and left now you're right Hashem made for them a nest, a nest and he helped them out but they can't know that how could they know that what's the blame what's the claim against them they didn't do anything bad so that doesn't seem like they did bad. Not only that, when you take a look, when Moshe, when, when Moshe Rabbeinu goes and tells them exactly what they did negative, what they did bad by asking the Meraglim on Sefer Dvarim, on Parashat Dvarim, he doesn't say that they did anything bad, not the Meraglim. It says over there that V'tikrevun alai kulchem, Am Yisrael came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, Nishlecha anashim lefanenu, yachperu lanu et haaretz. Send us people, send us spies, so they can spy the land. V'shivu otanu davar, let, let them tell us what exactly the land is like. V'aitav v'enai adavar. 
Moshe Rabbeinu like that, and he sent them Raglim. The Raglim came back, and they said the following, this is what the Raglim said, the land is a great land. That's it. The blame was on Am Yisrael, you didn't want to go, but the Raglim didn't do anything bad. <coughs> and in Sefer Dvarim, Moshe Rabbeinu goes on and on, doesn't seem like the Meraglim did anything negative. Also here, in our parasha, Parashat Shlach, we see that there's no blame against the Meraglim so much until the end. Moshe Rabbeinu has a problem with Amisel. Amisel has a problem with the land. People were crying, people were unhappy, uneased. And even when Hashem... Uh, interrupts over here, he doesn't speak about the Meraglim. He says the following, when, uh, when Am Yisrael comes to stone uh, Kalev and Yehoshua, Hashem right away appears. Hashem appears, he comes to save them. Hashem Hashem has a problem with Am Yisrael, not with the Meraglim. Akenu badever, orishenu, esot chalegoi gadol v'atzumi mecha. And so on, mimenu, and so on and so forth. Later on, Hashem says, after you go and wait until the end of the parasha, it says, v'yedaber Hashem ומשה ולאון לאמור, עד מתי לעדה הרעה הזאת? העדה is referred to the Meraglim. אשר הם המלינים עליי תלונות בני ישראל, אשר הם המלינים עליי שמעתי. So up to here, the Meraglim didn't do anything wrong, seems like. And we have a question, what is it in reality that Kalev was jumping and we saw we, 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 we take the Meraglim so negatively and the whole thing over here is against the Meraglim? But when you read the parasha, it doesn't seem like that at all. That is the question that anybody that learns the psukim has to ask. Now, again, if you're going to put in Perush Rashi right away from the beginning, you see there was an agenda over here and they, were came, and they came out and they spoke very negatively about the land and they were kofrim bamakom also. They, they, they spoke negatively about Hashem and so on and so forth. But this is the Perush Rashi. But the Ramban again doesn't explain like that. He says that obviously the Meraglim didn't sin by, and, and, and not Am Yisrael by asking to go inside because you see that Moshe Rabbeinu was happy with that as well as Moshe Rabbeinu said himself that in Parashat Dvarim Moshe Rabbeinu was happy with the idea to send to, to find out about the land and Hashem over here approved it and even if you say that maybe the fact that the Meraglim said that Haaretz is such a land that Eretz Ochelet Yoshevea that couldn't be the crime of the Meraglim because Kalev was screaming already before them Vayas Kalev what, what, what was Kalev jumping before they said it? He, he didn't do anything bad up to now. So obviously something happened previous to that. What was it that, that, that they did wrong before they said, and if you said that maybe they exaggerated and they said some things that were false, like the land was uh, too big, too hard to conquer, the people are so strong, we said that that can't be because Moshe Rabbeinu testified that this is the way it is, that the, the people over there are very, very rough and very strong. And this is something that he asked them to do. Moshe Rabbeinu later on says, Shema Yisrael, אתה עובר היום את הירדן, לבוא לרשת גויים גדולים ועצומים ממך. Which means these people are greater than you, they're bigger than you, they're stronger than you. Moshe Rabbeinu testifies this, and we don't find that Moshe Rabbeinu sinned by, this, by saying that. So therefore, that can't be the crime of the Raglim. What did they do wrong? So first of all, the Ramban says that the reason they went to, to, to spy was not at all to find out if the land is good or bad, as Rashi learned. 
rather, he, they went in to find out how to conquer the land. Because whenever you go into a land, or whenever you do anything, you have to do it b'derech ha'teva. Lo ismoch ha'katuv, says the Ramban, b'chol dvarav al-anes. Which means, whenever you go, even, even though Hashem is with you, but you have to behave al-pi derech ha'teva. You have to go in and try to do the right ishtadlut. The right ishtadlut would be, as anybody else, to collect intelligence, to bring back the report, to find out exactly how to spy, the spying is mission was to find out how to conquer the land, from where and how. Where is it that the city is more, uh, uh, more easy to conquer? Where is it more easy to find and, and, and come in towards the whole land? And so on and so forth. This is the Perush of the Ramban. Comes out from reading the Psukim of the Torah that the crime of the Meraglim is said in the following words. The Torah says that when they come back, they did the, the, the very first thing, they came to Moshe, that was correct, they have to give them the report. But they did also one more thing that was a very negative thing, and that was, they came to the whole entire people of Am Israel. They publicized what they do. They put it, so to speak, on the CNN national news. That you can do. Again, the Torah says, They're not only answering Moshe and Aaron, but they're also publicizing that throughout the whole nation. How is that possible? You, when you come back, you have something to say. Don't spread it throughout the whole city. So over here, it doesn't say in the Psukim anything negative that they did about the fact that they did it in front of everybody. If you take a look, Hashem blames the Meraglim. He tells them they were wrong. What did he say that was the crime of the Meraglim? This is a bad eda. What did they do wrong? Because they caused Am Israel to rebel by the fact they did it, everything in front of the whole nation. Now, actually, this is a perush of the Ktav Sofer. And this is openly in the Psukim over here, that this is the blame against the Meraglim. The Meraglim came and said everything correctly, but when you say it in a way that's going to scare people, you, you, you say everything that you saw in such, a public, in, in such publicity, in such a way that everybody understands and starts being fearful of conquering the land, that is something wrong that can't be done. And this is what Hashem says again. This is what Hashem has a problem against the Meraglim. Ad And this is how the, 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 the Torah points out again. The Psukim is, What are you going to the whole nation? What are you going to everybody? What are you putting this on, on, on the front page of a newspaper and spreading it all over town? It seems like when you read those psukim that this is the problem over here. You don't go and publicize whatever you see. This is something that we, we have much more in this generation than any previous generation. Today that is a generation of media, of internet, of so on and so forth, people always publicizing everything about their life. Their life become, the, the, the individual life, the private life became public. Everybody knows everything about everybody. You have everybody's 
pictures all over. You have everybody's life, uh, uh, life stories all over. Everybody that does something, the whole world needs to know about it. You go to a certain uh, vacation, now everybody's in vacation. Everybody has to know about it. You send pictures to the whole world. You show everybody everything that you do. Nothing private anymore. Person. That, that just got married, everybody needs to know where he went for honeymoon, what they do, everything about it. Then he has children, when, when, when and how and everything about it. And every private thing in people's life became public to the whole world. You have the pictures and you have movies and you have everything that people could see and know about everybody else. And this is something that we need to change because this has never been the way all over the world wasn't like that but in Amisal always everything was about privacy a person was a private person everybody were to themselves you need to do you need to interact with other people it was let me help you you don't need to publicize everything that you do how you live your life how's your shalom bite how's your kids doing where your kids going what do they do in school what the report cards are Everything today is known to everybody. That is something that the Torah doesn't like. And this is what's happening over here, publicizing. Publicizing, it's not Derech Torah. You don't publicize. Am Israel were the opposite. When we see in the next, in, in, in the next parashiot that, that Am Israel were always such, as Bilam was saying, Am Israel was always such that they were all in Betzniut, that the windows are not one towards the other, always the windows are covered, everything in the house was private, you don't, you don't, you don't know what's happening in other people's houses, what they do and, and how they do, everything is today different, today everybody knows about everything, I think that is what the Torah is saying over here, you come out and Tell everybody what you saw. First of all, that's wrong. You don't see, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't send you so you can go ahead and gather the whole town and tell El Kol Adad Israel what you saw. That's first of all. Secondly, you know that in Bnei Israel you have people that easily are frightened from anything. So therefore, when you talk like that, you're going to have some women that are going to start screaming that they're scared, some little children that are going to start crying, and some weak men that's not going to want to go, and that's enough to cause panic throughout the whole nation. Therefore, need, things need to be but and not like that. That's the first point. Second point, I was asking, I don't understand. <coughs> How is it possible that the Homer Aglim, that with Beotasha Aksherimayu, says, says Rashi, they were the greatest people. How is it possible that 10 out of the 12, within 40 days, the greatest of Am Yisrael, within 40 days, change to, uh, uh, 300, the Mamash changed 180 degrees over here. They became from the best of the best and they became Reshaim. How is it possible? What is it that triggered 10 people within 40 days? I understand if one person, that's how I grabbed him. Two people, that's how I grabbed him. But 10 people to, throughout a trip, a short trip of 40 days, change the whole lifestyle and become bad. How is it possible that such a thing happened? And why is it that Kalev and Yeshua did not change themselves? Why is it that only the Ten Meraglim and not Kalev and Yeshua? You can see that there is over here a certain Mahalach by the fact that Yeshua and Kalev were with a totally different mindset than the Meraglim. How do we see that? From the very beginning, Yeshua right away goes to Moshe Rabbeinu in order to get a beracha from Moshe Rabbeinu, Gdol Ador. And he gives him an extra yud. 
קאיו שיחה מהצד מרגיל מ-added ויקרא משה ליהושע בנון יהושע He called him Yehoshua, he added him a yud. You see that Yehoshua was on a higher spiritual level. He didn't look at things b'derech ha-teva. Let me, on, on, on the day of the mission, that you need to train yourself how to gather intelligence, do the right thing, and get the right training, that's not the time to go and get brachot from Moshe Rabbeinu. But that's what Yehoshua does. Also Kalev, Kalev goes where? He goes to Kivrei Avot. To be mitpalel, he goes to pray on Kirvei Avot. Why does he go to be mishtatech al Kirvei Avot? That's not the time. Right now you're on a mission. You have to do your mission. You have to make sure that you do the right thing. No, Kalev goes over there. And you see that Kalev and Yehoshua had a totally different mindset. The other Miraglim didn't do that. The other Miraglim didn't do that. But the question is, if there were tzaddikim in that time, as Rashi points out, how is it possible that that Right away, Moshe Rabbeinu prays, Hashem should save you from the Meraglim. What do you mean? At that time, they were good. They weren't bad. Later on also, we see that Kalev goes to be saved. He goes to pray by the to be saved from the Meraglim. What does that mean? They didn't do anything wrong yet. So why is it that they need to get such a Beracha? The answer to this is that this was the different mindset. You're right, at that time, there were tzaddikim, but their mindset was, you go to Eretz Yisrael in order to find out how to conquer the land b'derech ha-teva, not b'derech nes, as Moshe Rabbeinu sends them, as Ramban explained. We need to find out how to do the right thing. Over here, where do you, where do you conquer the land? From which city? From which place? And how to do it? And... This, this was the mindset. This is where you're going for. And since that's where you're going for, they also made a crucial mistake. What was it? They also came up with the conclusion. They came in, they saw everybody's giants. So, Moshe Rabbeinu, you want to know where to conquer from? Nowhere. It's impossible. The whole place is much too hard. It's much too hard. These people are giants. The walls are up to the sky. Everything over here is protected. You can't conquer. You want to know from where? Nowhere. That, that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't ask him. Don't tell me conclusions. Don't tell me conclusions. I only ask you how to do things. You tell me where you think is the least likely that we're going to have over here problems. But not... Is it possible to conquer or not? Because that already Hashem is going to do, and that's not you. And this is something that Kalev and Yeshua did not agree. They were from the beginning understanding Ka Yoshiacha, which means that everything is about tefillah, everything is about uh, Hashem's doing it for us. Yes, we have to know how to do it, but wherever the teva finishes, wherever Ishtadlut ends, that's where Hashem's hand will come and help us out. Just like we find by Noach. Noach, Build a teva. The Ramban said, it's a joke. You have so, so many animals in the world. You have elephants and you have rams and you have uh, giraffes. And you have, these are laugh enough to, to fill up the, the, the teva. And not only that, you have to put food for them. It's impossible to have in such a small teva all the animals in the world. If you just put the insects in the teva, that fills up the teva. How is it possible that Hashem told Noach to build such a teva? And the Ramban says, because we don't go Alpines. We try to do Alpider Chateva to cover the nest. 
I, the whole thing is an S, any, anybody that would open these eyes, but we try to be memaet in the nest, to show over here, der chateva. And Noach could have said, HaKadosh Baruch I can't do it, I'm sorry, what are you making fun of me? How, well, look how many animals is in, in the world, we can't save the world, we can't save all the animals, but Noach doesn't do that. Noach understands, Hashem only told him to build, not to come out with conclusions. And therefore he does what he does, and everything works out. Over here also, Moshe Rabbeinu is asking them, go and find out how to conquer the land. Don't tell me conclusions. They came out with conclusions. Therefore, from the beginning, they were tzaddikim, but they already had the wrong mindset that the Meraglim, that, that Yeshua and Kalev points on and say, this is a dangerous mindset. You're going to come out with the wrong conclusion and go in with that kind of mindset. And that is, could be why the parasha ends up saying the parasha of Tzitzit, parasha of Tzitzit, in the end of the parasha, says, Lo Rashi says over here, what's the mahalach? A person sees with his eyes, and then after he sees with his heart, eyes, his heart also, the heart want, desires and wants to do the avera. So Ayn, the first, the eye sees the avera, sees whatever he wants to see, and then, once he sees that, he gets a desire, Lev Chomed, and he does the Avera, of whatever the Avera is. But the Pasuk doesn't say like that. The Pasuk says, Lo First the heart and then the eyes. The Pasuk says the opposite from Rashi. Rashi says that first the eyes sees, and then the heart desires. The Pasuk says the opposite. Don't have that... Uh, that uh, that desire to in your heart and then the eyes that's the opposite from what she says and the answer to this then for shim explained is that even the eyes the initial looking has to be motivated by the heart you want to look you want to look you don't have the taiva yet but you want to look once you want to look you look and then the tava comes out again the eyes bring out the teava, but a person has to have a desire to look. He has to have a will. He wants to look. He wants to get the teava. If a person is not interested, he's not going to open his eyes to look at the wrong things. So, has to come out before hacharei And this, the connection to our, to this meraglim, the meraglim also did the same thing. They already had this in the mindset. Although they didn't see anything bad, they didn't yet taret aretz, and therefore they can't actually say anything negative. But the whole mindset, everything, the whole thing, Bekoach was there. It was already on the potential. And therefore it came out to be what it was. Thank you for listening for Adivret Torah. Bezrat Hashem, after the following song, we'll go into the questions in Halacha. The phone number at the studio is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And... Text us at 347-927-8398.
Okay. Um, we're back on the show. Studio number again is 718-683-5858. Text 347-927-8398. Uh, I see some text over here with Kashrut questions. Uh, Kashrut questions, please call at the Kashrut hour. We try to stick to Halakha and not Kashrut. And we'll take the first call. Hello? Hello. Um, uh, I have a question. Um, is... Is the issue of mentioning Hashem's name also apply in English? Or, like, can I say Hashem's name in English? Okay. Good question. Or, Very good question. Or, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, first question is, can you say Hashem's name in other languages? You need to know like this. First of all, what's the issue of saying Hashem's name? The, 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 the issue of shame, saying Hashem's name Lashav, you're saying it for no reason, is actually learned from the, the Pasuk that you have to fear Hashem. At Hashem Elokechem Tirao, you have to fear Hashem. From here, Chazal learned that you're not allowed to say Hashem's name in vain for no reason. For no reason. That's even without a Beracha. We're dealing with Bracha, Brachot is a different question. It's a question of Bracha Levatala. And therefore, when you deal with, um, with Brachot Levatala, then you have a machloket rishonim. Is there isur Torah or isur the Rabbanan from the isur of Lot Yisait Hashem Elokech Alashav? The Rambam learns that it's isur Torah to say bracha levatala. The Tosfot in in Rosh Hashanah Lamed Dalet says that the isur and the Rosh also over there say that the isur is isur the Rabbanan. It's only an asmachta. That's a machloket, by the way. Sfaradim and Ashkenazim. Sfaradim take brachot levatala much more strict for that very reason because. Svaradim uh, hold that Bracha Levatala is Isur Doraita, and Ashkenazim hold it's the Rabbanan, Smachloket, also the Shulchan Aruch and the Rema. So that is saying a Bracha, but without a Bracha, just to say Hashem's name in Lashon HaKodesh, again, it's, uh, it's Isur of at Hashem Lokech Tira. You have to fear Hashem. So this is when you say Lashon HaKodesh. How about saying in other languages? Other languages is a Machloket in the Achronim. Take a look at at Kitzur Shulchan Aruch and Chaye Adam. They say that the Yisur applies also in other languages. Mishnah Bura also is posek like that. That a person is not allowed to say mit the Oraita, the Shem Hashem in other languages. You have to uh, fear Hashem, so to speak, as we're saying right now, even in other languages. So saying Hashem's name would be a problem. Rabbi Kiva Iger argues on this uh, on this. Malach, and he says that the Isur is not a, it's not a Sur to say Hashem's name in other languages, and he's allowing that. And therefore, Lemaseh, since the Mishnah Bura is Machmir, one definitely needs to take the more strict approach of saying, uh, not saying Hashem's name in other languages as well. If a person wants to say something like, thank God, or something like that, then Ofshoma Zaman allows that, but he says the still the minhag of the, of, the, of the world is not to say it even that way, not to, not to say at all Hashem's name, even that way. Even in other languages, even Belashon HaKodesh, they say Toda Lakel, or Toda, or Baruch Hashem, they don't actually say Hashem Hashem, although that would be mutar, because that is Bederch Shvach Ve'odah, and that is something that's mutar. Okay, let's take the next caller, Bechavod. Hello? Hello? Yeah, how long does your tittus have to be off and have to make a new bracha? Again, I didn't hear, I'm sorry. What is it again? If your tittus, you take it off, how long could it be off that you shouldn't have to make a new bracha? Okay, so the answer to this question is a question of hefsek. How long a person should, is 
that hefsek, how long does the hefsek needs to be in order to say a new bracha? So you have on this a mechloket. Take a look at, uh, at Shulchan Aruch Arav. He says a loshon of two, three hours. If you took it off, you obviously didn't have another hefsek. You didn't, uh, let's say, leave the premises. And you're still there, just you took it off and you want to put it back on, the talit, let's say. So then two, three hours, he says that's sufficient uh, to, to consider that hefsek and to say a new bracha. Other poskim say that it's half hour. So also Ramovadia brings down half hour he took it off. You have to say a new bracha. Now we were dealing with tzitzit, that is talit. When we're dealing with tzitzit, there are many, many poskim that say that tzitzit doesn't require bracha altogether, even when you put it on the first time. Like for instance, Hamovadia brings down a list of poskim that since, this, as, as we explained before, that Sfaradim are more strict in brachot, in, uh, in brachot, they say sabal, safek brachot lakel, they take that more strict, and therefore uh, Hamovadia says that, that um, you don't say bracha on tzitzit altogether, even the first time you're putting it, because of the size, that's first of all, there are different shiurim in the sizes, and even if you have the biggest size, by the way, uh, Rav Chaim Falaji brings even a bigger size than anybody else, and he requires much more, so no, so it doesn't seem like anybody has a, such a huge size tzitzit. Um, it, uh, Chazonish would be 58 centimeters, he goes up to 72 centimeters, which is something very, very big. So therefore you have to be choshesh for that, also Orletion uh, is choshesh for that, Chita, not to say brachot on the tzitzit. And even if you want to be mekel on that aspect, and say bracha, you have the shita of the Dat Kedoshim, the Eshel Avrami Butchach, that says that you have to be able to come out with the tzitzit, as the, as the Alacha says, in, and that's one of the sizes of the shiur, the shiur of the tzitzit is that it has to be such that you're not going to be embarrassed to come out with it. And one of the things that the Eshel adds to that, it needs to be such a tzitzit that people are not embarrassing wearing outside. So like the Hasidim wear them on top of the clothing. If you wouldn't be embarrassed coming out with your tzitzit, wearing it like this in public, so then it requires uh, bracha. But since most people except the Hasidim, would not wear the tzitzit on top of the clothing, come out with it, or even without the clothing, just wear the tzitzit. So therefore, the Shalom says it doesn't require bracha. Now, let me say, we don't go like the Shalom, but altogether is sufficient, says Ramovadia, not to say bracha on the tzitzit. So there is such a shita, although the Shuchan Aruch says, if you would take a look and see man, chet, see if you dalet, Shuchan Aruch says that if a person took off the tzitzit, that even if he wants to put it right away, he needs to say a new bracha right away. He took it off, puts it on, he needs to say a new bracha. The Lema dis- disagrees with that. And Lema say, we don't, we're not posek, even the Sephardim are not posek like the Shulchan Aruch in that aspect, because uh, the Chida says that we say safek brachot le'akel, even against the Shulchan Aruch, if you find uh, one or two poskim that say that like the Shulchan Aruch, so... You say safek brachot laakel, and this is how uh, the poskim sfaradim as well agreed against the opinion of the shulchan aruch. Thank you very much. And the next caller, b'chavod. Hello. Hello. Yeah, hi. Hello. Yes, you're on there. Hi, Rabbi. How are you? Yes. Hello. How are you doing? Hi. Uh, I just have two questions, Rabbi. Okay. Question, could the rabbi just summarize quickly as best as he can the laws of tchum upstate because it's very confusing. The, the laws and of. Second, and second question is, um, what exactly is the status of Kaleem for the mikveh? I know it's very confusing. We have to take glass. 
not to take glass with the blessing. Also, I know I heard a shiur on the rabbi on the electronic devices, and I couldn't understand exactly if, like, for example, the Keurig machine or a George Foreman machine. I know that if you put those things in the water, it's going to go bad. So I wanted to know exactly what's the laws that pertain to these things. Okay, I, I didn't hear your first question, please. Question, the second question? No, the first one. I wanted to, the second question, again, was what exactly, what items must be taken to the mikveh? Right, and the one before that, you asked? And, and also, within that question, what exactly are the situation regarding electronic devices, like a George Foreman grill or a Keurig machine grill? What exactly? Do you have to take those things to the mikveh? Because I know that they says in the back, if there's water inside, it's going to get damaged. Okay, great questions. Effect? Can you tell me the first question again, please? The very first the one. The first question, I'm sorry, I'm out there. The first question exactly is, what exact summarization, what are the laws of Tehum? I know when you go off state, they keep telling you you have to be careful where to go. What exactly does Tehum mean? Okay, very what good. What does it mean, Tehum? Very good. Okay. okay, so let's answer all this briefly. Um, because of lack of time and more callers. Uh, Tchum, you, have, you do have to be careful when you go out uh, to places like the country, um, uh, you go upstate, you have to make sure that, you, you have to know, there's a difference between the Oraita and the Rabbanan. The Oraita, there's Yisur of Yud Bet Mil, and this is how the Rambam uh, is posek, that Yud, Mil, Yud Bet Mil would be the Oraita. Why do we need to know that? Which means you're not allowed to walk Yud Bet Mil. That's Yisur of... Um, of of um, Torah, it's this Isur Torah. We need to know that because sometimes a person has, uh, sometimes a person has uh, emergency and he has to go that distance. So up to that distance, you're not violating Isur Torah. But it is Isur Torah Banan to go past two thousand amot, and therefore one needs to calculate how much is Amma. Amma is the size of a step, as the Halakha says in Chin Aleph, the size of a step. And therefore, if you, if, when you go out, if you want to measure how much is 2,000 or more, you walk 2,000 steps like that, including the foot itself, which means the foot and the, next, and the distance between uh, the, the one foot and the other when you take step. The foot itself and the distance, that's called... Uh, so you walk in 2,000 amot, one needs to be careful. And it's very easy to pass that 2,000 amot. Before you know it, you pass it, and then you come into such big questions. So one does need to know what it is, because in, in vacations, you go to vacations, you go to the country, and that place already is not like in, in Brooklyn, that you can walk wherever you want, and you're not passing the trum, because you have houses, and it's a city, one house another after the other. Also, when a person wants to, let's say, cross and go to Manhattan, also is not violating trum, because you square out the city of Brooklyn, let's say, if you square it out, it goes with, it goes the square itself. You take a map and you square the city, it goes within the, with, into, into Manhattan, and therefore, although you're passing the bridge, which is uh, two, more than 2,000 or more, but it's considered still within that, uh, within that place. And also, uh, you have, um, in the Williamsburg Bridge, you have the, the Tshuva from the Minchat Yitzchak that says that there's no issue of Tchumim going through the Williamsburg Bridge, that's how the Minchat Yitzchak says. But when you go to such a place that doesn't have any more houses within 70 or more to one to the other, so you have over there to be careful not to step more than 2,000 or more. This is briefly the laws of Tchumim that we need to know. The laws of Kelim, 
we need to know that midoraita, most of the poskim hold that metal needs tvila. Glass is the Rabbanan. This is how most of the poskim hold because there are those that say that metal is not dinto, that, that tvilat kalim is entirely the Rabbanan. Um, there's a, a safek how the Shulchan Aruch is posek because it doesn't point out exactly what it is. But from the law that he says that you can't rely on a kid for Tvilat Kelim, you see that he points out that it's a Isur uh, Deoraita, because normally we have a din that a Katan is not reliable on Deoraita, but he is in the Rabbanan. That means that you're unst- not standing with him. If you're there with him, you can even tell a Goy to be Tovel, although you're going to lose the Bracha, or let's say you said the Bracha already, as long as the Kli went inside, that's fine. But if you just send your kid, you tell him, do me a favor, go to the Mikveh Kelim and, and put the Kli in the Mikveh. So, if it's a glass kli, that's fine, because glass is only the Rabbanan, and we can rely on a kid with the Rabbanan. When we come to the Raita, it becomes much more of a question, and one needs to be careful not to tell a kid, unless somebody's going to sh- be with him to see that he did it correctly. This would be the din of Tvilat Kelim on glass and, and metal. Come to porcelain, it's a, it becomes a question. Why? Because it's, a, it's such a material that has in it Earthenware, klicheres, that's definitely not chayav in tevila, not midoraita and not midorabanan, but it has a mixture in it of glass. So over here, there is a machloket, do you take porcelain to the mikveh? And even those that say that you should, like for instance, the kafachayim and, uh, not the kafachayim, the ben and the zivchet tzedek, zivchet tzedek was the rabbi of the ben of Abdallah Somech, they say that you should take it to the mikveh without a beracha. But, Chamovadah points out from Shiro Knesset Agdola and many of Gdolea Poskim Svaradim that it doesn't need to be lied all, and this is the Minhag. By Ashkenazim, also there's Machloket about the Minhagim. Take a look at Chuvad Vanakot of Stanbuch. Uh, he says also in Ochot Abayit that it doesn't need to tevila, the minag is not, but others argue. So there is a Machloket over uh, porcelain. If a person wants to be Machmir, it's without a beracha. Best thing whenever you have a kli that you're not going to say a bracha is to take along with it a kli that needs a bracha. So now you take two kalim, you have the metal kli together with a porcelain, and you say the bracha, and you tovel both of them. That's the best thing to do. What interesting question would be, what bracha to make? You ha- if you take one kli into the mikveh, you say only, kli, one kli. Not plural, you say singular. But if you take two kelim, you say altvilat kelim. Altvilat kelim. One kli is altvilat kli, not litvolke. Altvilat kli. And when we're talking about um, uh, uh, more than one, you say altvilat kelim. That's a difference between one and the other. So when you have two kelim, what bracha are you going to make? You're going to say altvilat kelim or altvilat kli? Because over here, one is required, the other one is not. Chamovadia says, that you say, Alt Vilat Kelim. That's how it brings down in Alichot Olam. And the reason is because the other one is also a Heftzad that it's, uh, it might be Chayav. So therefore, for the Bracha, changing the Bracha and saying something that would apply that to, to, to that as well, that's good enough. So that's what you should do when you take... By the way, interesting question. Why is it that we don't find other places, like for instance, by Mezuzah, you don't say, if you put one Mezuzah, you say, Shokichanu Mitzotav Itzivanu Likvoa Mezuzah. And when it's uh, more than one, you say, Likvoa Mezuzot. Why is it that over here by Kelim, you say in all the, all the brachot, we don't find such a thing that you say in plural as you, you do over here. So Rav Pinchas Scheinberg has an answer in his Mishmeret, uh, in, in, in his Sefer, 
Um, and he says over there that there's a difference. Mezuzah, each one is a mitzvah by itself. So therefore you say a bracha by each, uh, each one. Uh, by Kelim, it's a, it's a mitzvah to be tovel Kelim. It's not the individual mitzvah. That's how he says, and we didn't understand in yeshiva when we saw that. We didn't understand uh, the chiluk so well, but that's how he answers. That's how it is. So it comes out, again, that metal Kelim would be the oraita, glass would be the rabbanan, porcelain would be a safek, and we come to electric, that's a big question. Why? As you mentioned, you electric, what are you supposed to do? If you put them in the mikveh, you ruin them. What are you supposed to do? So some kilim, some electric, if you put them in the mikveh, nothing happens to them. Most likely nothing happens to them. From experience, it's very unlikely to get ruined. You put them in very quickly, take them out, and let them dry a few days. Usually nothing happens to them. But some kilim, you can't even do that. Like the Keurig, it's, 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 um, it's not only electric, it's also digital. You put it in, some things have chips in, in there. Uh, uh, cards that if they get uh, wet, they get ruined. The whole thing becomes ruined. What are you supposed to do then? Then you have a uh, few options. One of the options that Rav Yashiv said to do is to, um, to ruin it, to, to, to open it up and break it to the point that you'll need a professional to put it back together. And therefore, let's say you take the curry. You open it up, they see where the screws come out, and open it up in a way, let's say the wheels are turning, whatever's in there, you take it out to the point that you don't know how to return it. Regular person can't return it. You give it to a Jewish person, Jewish professional to put it back together, and that becomes nigmar al-yadeh Israel. that becomes like the Israel made the kli, and therefore that's, that kli doesn't need to be lie anymore. That's what you do according to Avel Yashiv. But others... Uh, say a much simpler solution. Ham of Adi brings down like this in Elichot Olam, and this is how also uh, the Milchat Yitzchak brings down, and it's the Chemed, and even the Ben Ishchai says that you should sell it to a Goy. Not everybody agrees to sell it to a Goy. For instance, Taz says, if you sell it to a Goy, that helps only for 30 days, because after 30 days, what do you do? You sell it to a Goy, and you ask him permission to use it. You become a Shoel. Once, once it's not your Kli, you're not Mechuyav to do Tvila. When you do that, when you take the Kli from the Goy, you borrow it from him, you, 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 you're allowed to do that, says the Taz, only for 30 days, because after the 30 days, already it looks like yours. Once it looks like yours, you have to vila again. That's a concept throughout uh, throughout halacha all over. That whatever becomes for instance a mezuzah, you rent a house outside Eretz Israel. That house, uh, that house needs a mezuzah. When after thirty days. Today we do differently, but after thirty days, after thirty days. Um, after 30 days, it's nira kashelo. It looks like your house. So therefore, you need to put a mezuzah after 30 days, even if you're renting. So over here also, you have such a thing, according to uh, the Taz, you wouldn't be allowed to keep it more than 30 days. But, Hamovadia says, as I mentioned before with the other poskim, that it's fine to keep it f- uh, even longer and even forever. You're allowed to take it and, uh, and do that. So, that would be the solution for all this uh, curry and so on and so forth. There is a there is a tzad to be mekel that the the Minchat Yaakov brought down. You have a sefer Shev Yaakov and the Shvut Yaakov after him brought down. The, it goes like this: Shev Yaakov was mechadesh something that many of the poskim disagreed. He was mechadesh that the tevila has to be since it's to be mafkia the tumaf 
of the goyim from the keli, as the Tal says in the beginning of the halacha. So Shev Yaakov mentioned that it has to be something that's mekabel tuma. So if you have something that's connected to the kalka, for instance, Shvut Yaakov says it's the electricity. You connect that to the wall, so that's not mekabel tuma because anything that's connected to the wall. It's not mekabel tuma. So therefore, whenever you have something electric, it's connected to the world. So I'm mekabel tuma. So first of all, this Shev Yaakov, this chidush of this big gaon Shev Yaakov, was not agreed upon the poskim. Chatam Sofer disagreed. He said, for instance, that where does he know that? It's a chidush. Where does he get this chidush from? We don't find anywhere that it's connected to tichot tuma v'tara. That's first of all. Secondly, uh, this thing of the Shvut Yaakov, that he says electricity should be something that's considered connected to the Kalka, and he's not going to be Mechabel Tumah. Also, the Puskim didn't agree. Why? Because the main use of the Kli is not to be connected to the wall. And even if it is, it's easy to take out. So the, and, and, and therefore, the whole thing becomes something that you can't rely on according to majority of the poskim, unless you want to use it as a sniff to be mekel with other things. Like, for instance, you have, for instance, a frigidaire. Why does that not, not need it to be loud? Let's say you have of the glass, you want to use it by putting things straight out. Why is it that uh, you don't have a din to... Uh, to, 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 to be tovel that. So there are a few reasons why, like for instance, it's clear, it's not movable, it's too big, it has, uh, it has enough that it's not a clear anymore. Like a 40 seah, that's brought down many places in Al-Hasish, in Yudalid, in the Mishnah Bura, and, and the Shach, and the, and the Magen Avram. And, and one of the reasons is because it's connected to such a way that people don't ever move it. And therefore, that's considered, uh, like we explained before, something that's connected and, and doesn't move. So that would be the laws that you wanted to know about the Keurig machine and the other Kelim. Let's take one of the questions over here. Um, uh, Shalom, Rabbi. Do I have to, to do tvila to the dishes and pots that are used, that are used, already for many years. Well, definitely. If a person didn't do tvila on his kelim and use them for a very long time, then definitely he needs to, uh, he needs to do tvila. Uh, the reason is because, as I explained before, Taz says, Kufkaf, the very first Taz, he says that, uh, that you need to do tvila in order to be mafkia, the tumah of the goim that's there. And that doesn't go away in any other way, but the, the mikveh, you have to put it in a mikveh. Tam Dvila says the If you are using it for a hundred years, that doesn't come out just like any other tumah. It doesn't come out just by uh, ignoring it or using it. You have to actually take it to the mikveh, and this is the way the tumah are going to come out. Another question over here, uh, very quickly. What bracha do we say on licorice, on peanut butter, and on chalva? Okay, licorice, Ramoyshe said that it is Mezonot. Rabbi first, uh, in Pitre Alachot, argued on him. He called up the company and, 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 he, and he told him it's plainly only Ledavek. It's only to put together the licorice. It doesn't come for flavor at all. And therefore, he passed him that it's Shakol and he says that he doesn't understand this of Moshe at all. It's Misupak even if he said such a thing. And this is also how the Sefer Vezot Abracha brought down Lemaseh that it's Shakol. What Bracha is peanut butter of Shamazaman said that it's Shakol. And the reason is because it's so much not anymore the shape of the peanuts that it becomes shakol. And halva also in the midst of sesame is something that's called shakol. We have a caller on the line, but we don't have time. Let's see very quickly. 
Yes, I want to ask the Keurig machine. Is there any part of the machine that touches the water or whatever that's that's not plastic? Okay, that's a good question. We're going to have to keep it for next week because we're out of time. We already passed, and we're not allowed to pass the time. Okay. I wish everybody Shabbat Shalom, and I was uh, that that was the show of Lechadodi at the Jared Radio Cultive.